0: You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network.
1: Hey guys, Alana Levine here. Together with Sam Mayer, I host How to Be More Chill, a podcast devoted to our beloved musical, Be More Chill. Listen, I just want to tell you that if you're around the weekend of January 25th, go to BroadwayCon. All of the fabulous podcasts that are part of the Broadway Podcast Network are going to be there live, interviewing your favorite stars, and BroadwayCon is just a blast. So get yourself to BroadwayCon, find the Broadway Podcast Network events, and if you love Broadway, you're going to love this weekend. Or pretend to check a text on my phone. Hey, everyone. I am Alana.
2: And I'm Sam.
1: And we are two people who had a mutual love for a show called Be More Chill. And we decided that we would like to find a place where we could bring others who love Be More Chill as much as we do. All of the behind-the-scenes with all of its creatives. And we thought a really great way to do that would be to have a podcast. Mm-hmm. And we have called that podcast...
2: How to be more chill.
1: Never hung with a girl like you before. I don't know if you know it, but I am sure. That for me you are an upgrade. Upgrade. Upgrade.
0: be each other's upgrade. Oh, wow. Upgrade.
1: Welcome to episode three... Uh, Today's star of the episode is producer extraordinaire Jennifer Ashley Tepper,
2: who is a producer of Be More Chill and is going to give us this incredibly unique perspective on how B. Morchill got to Broadway from the producer angle. And what's also especially cool about Jennifer Ashley Tepper is that she is such a long standing member of the Joe Iconis and family creative group.
1: Yeah, she has been championing Joe Iconis for so long now, and it was just a matter of time till the rest of the world caught on. But really, we owe all a great debt to Jennifer Ashley Tepper for bringing Joe Iconis and his work into our lives.
2: As a fellow producer at Be More Chill, I feel like there's going to be a day one day when someone asks me what's your secret? What's the key to being a good producer on Broadway? And I'm going to say, hitching your wagon to whatever Jennifer Ashley Tepper is doing. Follow her lead.
1: Let's do this, Jennifer Ashley Tepper.
3: Uh, the first time I became aware of Joe Iconis, I was a 20-year-old intern. Uh, I went to NYU Tisch and I was interning at the York Theater. And I discovered a demo in like a dusty drawer backstage at the York that had blue hair on it. And I was like, what is this? This is like better than anything that I've ever heard. I was so excited by it um, as far as new songs from musicals go. And discovered Joe through that, went to some of his concerts, was like obsessed with him, was like, this is the guy writing better new musical theater than anyone else. And I worked on the musical title of show as the assistant director, and one of our producers was producing Things to Ruin, Joe's song cycle. And I said, um, let me assist you. Let me do anything. Let me get coffee. It was five performances at Second Stage in 2009. Um, I did that and bonded so much with Joe and the family and have worked with Joe on every project and musical in some capacity ever since.
1: So it's almost 10 years. Yeah. You are coming up. Do you remember the date of when that (laughs) show was?
3: I could we have such good um, ways of looking up dates like I know when the first photo we took together was which was after a concert at the Beachman where I was like will you take a picture with me and my sister Joey Iconis That is so, incredible. So many of us you know in the family started out just as admirers of his work.
2: Did you get to keep the tape?
3: Did I get to keep the tape?
2: The tape that you discovered?
3: The blue hair. Oh, oh, the demo. You know, I do. I still have it oh, in my good.
1: apartment. That's really funny. I have
3: it. That's, a
2: cool That's hilarious
3: because yeah. when
1: you first said it, I thought like, you know, they're, like in a corner, in a dusty corner, <laughs> there was like a CD with blue hair on it. And like I was like, <laughs> that sounds disgusting. But actually, it was a song. A song called um, Blue Hair from the Black Suits. Which is an incredible show. So, and I saw the black suits and we've talked about that. I cannot believe my great fortune that I happened to go to Barrington Stage <laughs> Company and see it. Um... So, from Blue Hair to that concert series to Friendship, what is your first memory of Be More Chill in any way, shape, or form? You know, the first memory I have of Be More
3: Chill is 2011, so it's not too long later. That's when Scott Chaloff, Joe and Joe's agent, first introduced them and gave them the book and said read this I think you'll want to make it into a musical and they did um, and at that point Joe and I had had two years of um, you know working together on various things one thing when we performed at Bryant Park this summer the Castor be more chill we remembered that like the first thing I really did with Joe Connison family was we were doing some like jamboree concerts and I got us into Bryant Park alongside all the Broadway shows somehow just by like asking and asking and feeling you know like we should be there with everybody um, and so we had that memory of 10 years earlier before anyone in the family had been on Broadway all performing Joe's songs in Bryant Park and then we were back with our soon-to-be Broadway show Um, so there were a lot of seeds planted between 2009 and 2011 um, including we worked on the show Blood Song of Love together at Ars Nova which solidified these relationships of the family and mine with Joe and I did like audience outreach and all kinds of creative marketing Um, so I really started to learn about how to get fans to Joe's work and what the structure of his shows was like and all of that.
1: Can you talk a little about that like what does that mean to you when you say that and look back at that time what were you doing? Yeah. Instinctively.
3: Um, so I always wanted to like work in producing in some capacity. Um, and I knew that I I thought someday I would be a commercial producer, but I didn't want to do that quite yet. I wanted to like get my hands dirty and be in the rehearsal room and be an assistant director and do marketing and do all these things, um, which somehow ended up building up this arsenal that I now have and feel like I get to use on Be More Chill. Uh, but on Bloodsong Song of Love, I was just so obsessed with the show and I just wanted people to know about it. And I, you know, wrote letters to producers and I did like handed out kazoos with a big team in the middle of Union Square. And um, I was around for every rehearsal. Joe and I saw every single performance but two. It was like a month and a half at Ars Nova. And we were just there, um, you know, supporting all the artists in various ways and making sure that as many people knew about the show as possible. Um, And at that point, I also started producing that year, the annual Joe Iconis Christmas show. So it was just a lot of coming together of people that now are so much a part of the family in our lives. And um, Blood Song of Love, which we loved so much and which was the first real musical Ars Nova produced on their main stage, um, we were so proud of it. But it did get a disappointing New York Times review that kind of prevented it from moving on to something else. And uh, that experience was what Joe kind of wrote Broadway Here I Come About, which then ended up leading to Smash. But he also, um, you know, when Be More Chill came around, and I'm speaking for him, he can speak for himself. But there was kind of this sense of like, okay, me writing these musicals that are from totally my brain might be something that I should shift from for a minute. And let me see if I can adapt this thing that I really do love and identify with. Um, And I thought that was super exciting, too. And so I remember in 2011, B. Merchell came about and it wasn't until 2013 that Joe started sending me songs and going, I'm emailing you this new thing. It's it's a song for this character, Christine Canigula. Like, I don't think it's done yet. It's probably not perfect. And me being like, oh, my God, this is the song I would have like, I love this song. But also when I was 16, if I had heard I love play rehearsal, I would have just died. Totally. And I immediately was like, oh, yeah, this feels just as authentic to Joe's voice as anything that came purely from his brain. It just happens to be imbued with this world from Ned Vizzini that he has been, you know, reading Did about. you read the book? I didn't read the book until the show was at Two River because I felt like it would be helpful for me to have the perspective of someone who was not like, how was this adapted? Does Mm -hmm. this pay tribute to the book in this way? Um, You know, on Be More Chill at Two River, my credit, I always say, was like special thanks to, you know, I was around. I was like with Joe and Joe after the performance being like, oh, how did we feel about this? Um, You know, I was there. I was giving input, but I wasn't officially working on the show. And so as someone who's just like a trusted friend slash audience Um, I didn't have the, like, the book knowledge at that point until we went there.
1: Were you, I assume there were workshops and readings and all phases of development before it even got to Two River. Yeah. So I imagine you were at all of those. (laughs) Yes. And you've seen various people playing different parts. Do you, we were, Sam and I were talking about this, like, what was like the very first reading or time that you heard a song cycle? That is Be More
3: Chill. One, this is so crazy, but the first reading that was ever done was super informal. It was just Act One. It was at WME, um, Joe's agency, and Jason Williams was in it playing Mr. Here. There was a song called the No Pants Song, which is long gone. Um, I believe Will Roland played Michael in that reading. And afterwards, the bar Vintage was closing. It was like the last night of Vintage, which we had gone to, you know, over the course of many years There with are going to be people listening
1: who live all
3: over the world. So
1: just <laughs> vintage give us like, what yeah,
3: is it. It's a, it's a bar on Ninth Avenue. They used to exist and happened to close the night of the first reading of Be More Chill so my memory is like we all read through this thing for the first time that we were like this is great but it's only act one and Joe's singing the songs and what's it gonna become this is awesome and then we all went and closed this bar so and Christian Borle was there there was it was a random yeah. night um, so that's my first memory but there were a couple of readings and they had um, you know Lauren played Christine at one point and there were a lot of family members involved that developed it in wonderful ways that aren't part of it anymore but have kind of planted their seeds in the characters um, and it was great and you know one of my favorite things I haven't talked about this in any interviews it's good we're talking about it here Um, Joe and I this year we keep saying to each other Smash was a documentary about how crazy all of this is and one of the craziest things is that the director of Be More Chill was originally Scott Ellis Stephen Brackett took over shortly before it went to Two River because Scott Ellis had a conflict but Scott Ellis was the original director and now of course he's directing Tootsie this season Um, and of course our original Squip Eric is leading King Kong this season Um, and at the point where Be More Chill was finally going to be produced this year. There were a couple producers who were going to be considered um, and the ones that were not picked all have Broadway shows this season that will be up against. So it's really Smash was a documentary. That
1: <laughs> is unbelievable. Um, I was a big fan of Smash and I keep wanting to see the musical... Um, what was the Maryland musical called? Bombshell. Thank you. Thank you. Um, that, that will be coming at some point. I
3: hope this season that would just make it even more perfect. Just awesome. like a little bow.
1: <laughs> tie a little bow on it.
3: So, so
2: I'm, I'm curious to hear also what happened. So True River Theater happens. It, it, is True River Theater, the production of Be More there, a success?
3: I, you know what? I've been out of town with all of Joe's shows and they've had various um, levels of success in terms of ticket sales, in terms of the audience, in terms of all of that. Overall, it felt like Be More Chill was very loved there. You know, there were so many teenagers that kept coming back. There were all these subscribers who were obsessed with it. Um, It did well. It was just really the bad New York Times review. And I remember when that review came out, um, a lot of people canceled their tickets to come see the show, like industry people and producers who were going to come see it at Two River and see if maybe they wanted to bring it on to New York. It was like the New York Times review killed that. And I specifically remember people saying to me, I love Joe's work, so I'm still going to see it, but just so you know, I can't have any interest in it now after this New York Times review because what you really need with an unknown a musical of an unknown commodity to come into New York after that is some reviews. Um or that's like the, you know, traditional format so after it closed we were all really upset like we were pretty sad and I remember the cast album was recorded Joe threw like a little cast album release party which like he just did himself and like a few people came and I remember like you know it was on Halloween and we sang Halloween and he was like nobody's gonna hear this cast album like you know maybe our fans will and that's wonderful I'm so
1: glad it exists but like this is sad Um, And that, just to interrupt, what an incredibly unique thing to have happened. (laughs) I have been in many shows that did not do well out of town, and no one did a cast recording or any documentation that we were even there. So I just want to interject the question, which is, how did... Was it Chickaboom or was it already Ghostlight yeah, at that time? Yeah, it was already
3: Ghostlight. And 100%, it was like the good sense of the people at Ghostlight and of the people at Two River who said this should be recorded. This is a new Joe Iconis musical. And I'm not saying that I think this would have happened with another one of his shows exactly. But I do think there's a... Ch- like if The Black Suits was recorded, mm-hmm. if Blood Song was recorded, like his work is so good. And that's exactly what I've been trying to tell people for 10 years. I do think something could have happened with one of the other shows. Um, I keep calling it like the fast forwarded version of Songs for a New World. Like if Songs for a New World had come out in the where the internet was like this. maybe it would have come back to New York in three years. Absolutely. Um, we're very lucky about the record label having such foresight and you know well
1: that's... also not all stories from a musical translate onto a cast recording without knowing the show. Mm-hmm. So what is so unique about Joe's work is that every single one of his songs is a story unto itself. So so even if you haven't seen it or you don't know what the story is or you haven't read the book, every single one of those songs resonates independently of the entire soundtrack or as part of this collected work. So it really is a song cycle. Yeah. Yeah. And and I I guess I want to just back up for one second, which is how did it even they did they write this on spec?
3: You know, so Scott Chailoff brought them the book and then they said, we want to write this. We love this. And, you know, Joe Trace and Joy Connor said, just met. And they were like, let's work together for the first time on this. Um, and then they said, the best way we want to write this is to have it commissioned by a theater that's going to give us a space so that we know it's going to get done if we write it and we have a little bit of money to work with. Um, so it was a commission from Two River. And that's why between 2011 2000 to 2013 was when they were getting it worked out to make sure it would be a commission. Okay. And then it was written from 2013 to 15, basically. And is that
1: normal? Like an agent has this project happening and then did they reach out to regional theaters or theaters outside New York and say we've got this do you want it is that how it works yeah that's sometimes how it
3: works and you know I know that the Joes were each talking to Two River individually about maybe doing something there at that time Um, and yeah it just worked out perfectly this is
2: Annika Chapin at Two River the
3: brilliant Annika Chapin who was such a great and important part of the Be More Chill journey and is um, she guided this piece in fact you know there's a lot of things about Be More Chill that I'm like oh yeah that was Annika she's the reason Chase Brock is on the project You know, she's the reason that this line is like this or that line's like that. She was the literary manager there at the time, and she was familiar with the Joe's work and
1: and did some dramaturgical work on it throughout the
2: process. Absolutely,
1: Annika, this one's (laughs) for you. You
2: Love her. So, True River is is uh, the spring of twenty fifteen, summer twenty fifteen, summer twenty fifteen, and then the cast recording comes out that Halloween. Yeah. And and then what happens? And there's
1: you a party, know, and you feel like no one's gonna ever hear it party. other than the party. Yeah, yeah.
3: And you know, I should also say the cast album is so much. Um, also, Charlie Rosen's work. Um, he made it sound like a musical. That's also a pop album. That also has all these unique things going on that tell the story. Who is like, Charlie Rosen. Charlie what Rosen he is do? our orchestrator. Um, he's brilliant. And so I think you know the cast album is the success of a lot of different people working the show creatively. Uh, you know, and had to name Charlie. Um, you know, it came out in 2015. it did fine like it sat there as albums usually do people liked it people would come to Joe Iconis and Family Shows or to other musicals Joe had like Broadway Bounty Hunter and they would mention the Be More Chill album Um, it kind of went along normally and then I did this series at 54 Below called New Musicals at 54, where we did, I produced 10 concerts of shows that um, had not happened in New York yet. And B. Murchill was one of them. And we did it with mostly the original cast. We did two concerts. And from that, um, we managed to get the show licensed. The good people at RH came, and Ted Chapin was like, you know, who of course is Annika Chapin's father and was familiar with the work through her, um, thought, okay, we can license this, um, which was really awesome. So the show was licensed. Which um, means what? Which means that schools and community theaters throughout. The US were able to do it. And, you know, a normal amount started doing it. It was like it got some licensed productions. Um, And then it wasn't until 2017 when the internet started exploding. And I do remember Joe and George and Gerard and a couple people, Lauren, being like, What's going on? I'm suddenly getting all these followers. There's all this Be More Chill fan art in the internet. What's going on? And I remember the record label being like, Are you guys doing something? Because the sales are spiking and what's going on? And at that point, Joe and Scott Chaloff and Joe Trace, um, Joe iconist Joe Trace, uh, started knocking on tons of doors and like trying to get anyone to pay attention and being like, Will some theater please do a second production of this show? Will a producer do it? How do we make this happen? And everyone just didn't understand these numbers because it's, you know, right now we're at over 200 million streams which is on all these platforms but people don't understand that. 180,000
2: of those are mine. 180 (laughs) million of those are mine. Thank you, Sam. Mm -hmm.
3: I remember when I worked on Title of Show always being the youngest person in the room and at that point in 2008 social media was just becoming a thing and everyone in the room would be like, well, social media is not going to sell a ticket but I guess we'll do it anyway and me being like, social media is absolutely going to sell a ticket and there's just this learning curve and none of these theaters had any idea what streams meant and they didn't understand what this, like, all this Instagram fan art art meant. Um, But it was very clear that there would be an audience for this show if this show showed up again. Um, And it wasn't until, I remember last, we're about to do the Joe Iconist Christmas show, the 11th annual, and at the 10th annual, Stephen Brackett and Joe Trace came to see it, and I just remember them being like, this sucks. Look at all this Joe Iconist and family magic. Look at all this Be More Chill shit on the internet. Why is our show not happening? Like I remember them being really upset and me being like, this is sad, and what's going to happen? Nothing, probably. Um, And, you know, I should say, like, As someone who I've always worked for producers, I've wanted to produce. I have always known that, like, I was going to produce a Joe Iconis musical in a big way and start doing that, and that it would not be in either of our best interests to do that until it was like the right set of circumstances. And I knew that someone needed to produce this show that was not me, and maybe I could do it with them. Um, But there's a reason why, like, in 2015, I didn't say, "Okay, well, I'll just produce Be More Chill in New York." Like, that would have been the wrong thing, and I know enough about the theater to know that. So. In January, like shortly after the Stephen Brackett, Joe Trace Christmas meltdown, which was very understandable.
1: Um, <laughs> I hope it's <coughs> documented. I'd like to see footage. Well, we've
3: touched base about it since then. <laughs> um, and it's just, yeah, we were all like, wh- who's going to do this musical we believe in? And um, in January, Scott Chaloff and the Joes really started talking to a couple producers who started ta- paying attention. And after years of nobody being interested in producing commercial, there were a couple um, to pick from. And they ended up going with Jerry Gehring, the amazing Jerry Garing, who immediately um, well, so Joe Iconis had been working on a musical for Jerry, a totally different musical. So he was familiar with him from that. And Jerry runs the theater program at sacred heart. And they had done a licensed production of be more chill. So he knew be more chill and all these things kind of came together. And they thought Jerry is the right guy. And as soon as that happened, Joe was like, Jerry, you should meet with Jen Tepper and talk to her about doing this together. Um, and we already knew each other a little bit too. So we met at Sardi's Jerry and I, Oh, cool. Yeah, we were staring out at the Schubert and the Broadhurst and we, um, you know, had this great long conversation about me producing it with him, um, and it was wonderful. And at that point, I was like, "Okay, here we go. Let's let's do this off
1: Broadway." Um, and then we started. So, if you were an archaeologist, which you probably would be because you're Jen Tepper, <laughs> and I bet that's like the only thing you haven't done—like go on a dig in <laughs> Israel somewhere into a cave. If you try to, and this may be impossible, right? Like to find—if if we were in Raiders of Lost Ark and we were literally looking for the thing. Who do you think? What do you think? What is the beginning of the fan frenzy? Mm -hmm. That is why we are all sitting here today, from which all of this was born. Obviously, there's the piece itself. Totally. And this
2: 2016 period is interesting to me, too, because it's like a full <laughs> year of kind of nothing.
1: Yeah. It's like, you know, you free, you're you like, when I die, I'm going to freeze myself in hopes that they're going to come up with a thing that they can, like, unfreeze me and I yeah. can live forever. It's sort of <laughs> like it was frozen. And then there was like this magic chemical that happened. And I then... feel very
3: lucky to have lots of emails and like Facebook and stuff like that, that kind of chart the journey and how we were all feeling at certain points. So I'm able to really remember and also look at that. But I do remember, um, so also I should say in February of 2017, Joe and I were out of town at Penn State doing Love and Hate Nation. Um, and that was the point where we were like, oh my God, Be More Chill is going to happen. We spent like two weeks in Pennsylvania, like doing all this secret, like Be More Chill subterfuge. So there's all these parts of the journey that I attach to different Joe Iconis projects that have happened in the interim. Um, But, you know, in 2016... We were still hopeful. I mean, like, we were sad, but we were hopeful. And we're all acting like it's, like, a huge, completely unsolvable mystery how this happened. But it is just the work was so good. Mm -hmm. People started listening to it. These online platforms and algorithms are very smart. And they thought, okay, people are listening to this in an increased way. Let's feed it to them more. Then the people who are really getting into this and making it more popular also love Dear Evan Hansen, Hamilton, and Heathers. Let's feed it to them. And then it's this perfect storm of, like, these people these fans um you know happen to be very loud on the internet in a beautiful way and the tumblr thing of like it being the most second most talked about musical on tumblr um you know people kind of kept this ball rolling and told their friends about it online or in person um it just became this like perfect storm of letting people know about the show
1: and when you say that jerry became the person as as sam told me too it sounds like I can't wait to meet him because he sounds. Oh like my god, you ever met Jerry? The sweetest, <laughs> menchiest. Like I've, He's I've waved lovely. to him across the room, but, but how great to like have a producer who everybody loves, a lead producer who yeah. everybody loves who doesn't feel sharky or yucky. Um, Had he produced on Broadway before?
3: Yeah, so Jerry is the producer of Christmas Story. That was one of his big projects before. And actually the way that he became familiar with Joe was um, Jerry's musical director on Christmas Story, Ian Eisendrath. Um, Jerry said to him, hey, I've loved working with Benj and Justin, who are some other up-and-coming writers who I should know about. And Ian said, I just did this workshop with Joe Iconis of the Untitled, Unauthorized Hunter S. Thompson musical. He's incredible. You should check out his stuff. And Jerry came to a concert we did with the Joe Iconis and family, which was in an old porn studio on 40th Street, like you do, um, the Musical Theater Factory when it was in the porn studio, and um, you know when we were discussing Will Roland and the potential of Will Roland playing Jeremy, Jerry and I talked so much about that night when Jerry first came to see that Joe Iconis concert. Will had sang something, and just like the way that the family and the audience like were galvanized around him in a porn studio with 50 people in it, and that became part of like why Will Roland became Jeremy. Here, um, it's just incredible, like you, all the things that happened in these years in between that you didn't know that. That seeds were being planted. We just kept going. And so much of the fandom has gravitated towards these videos that are on YouTube from all these years that, you know, might have had a thousand views. And then once Be More Chill started taking off, it has, you know, hundreds of thousands of views. Just putting the stuff out there became so important for the eventual popularity.
1: So when you meet Jerry, that is for, correct me if I'm wrong, Sam, the off-Broadway version. Totally. Right? Um, so okay. We
3: immediately started and I, Jerry and I had like had some cool meetings about a history related thing when Joe started getting to know him about the other musicals. So I knew him a bit and thought he was so wonderful. And we started talking about doing the show off Broadway. And then um, you know, off Broadway, it's what's really upsetting is that there aren't a lot of venues for commercial off Broadway shows, especially bigger musicals. Mm-hmm. So many of those shows, um, that formula has not been successful. So we've lost a lot of those theaters either to being demolished like the Union Square Theater or to you know, being populated by wonderful not-for-profits who've taken them over because that model is working better. So sure. there's not a lot to pick from, and we were really struggling to find a theater. Right. Um, which you know we looked at so many different options. There were options that we would have had to really not do the show justice, but we could have done it there anyway. It was a lot of like you know that, and what we finally um, came to and. You know, I was the first person to mention a signature in an email, which Stephen Brackett, you know, gives me more credit than he should, but I was just like, what about the signature? Um, and we went to see it and we found out that we could have it for this very limited time where we knew we would not be able to recoup, where we would be doing it as a launching pad either to an open ended off Broadway run somewhere else that we hope we could get, or maybe to Broadway. And we thought, okay, like we're going to do this. It's not the model things usually happen on, um, but it seems like this could really be good for us. And the momentum of the show was so important. You know, if we had started shopping it around, To off Broadway not for profits, it would have been two years before it made it into their season. Like, that wasn't the right move. We didn't think it was a direct to Broadway situation. Um, It just seemed right, even though it's not the way things are always done. And I remember I was in Washington, D.C., having a terrible trip because I had gone for my final two days of Jonathan Larson Project (laughs) research, and I had these two days to like put everything together. There were my last two days, and there was like a massive windstorm in D.C., and everything was closed, including the library. And I was in such a terrible mood. The only thing open was like Walmart. And I went there and I got a puzzle and I was like furious. And I was in a hotel room in D.C. doing a puzzle when um, Jerry called me and he was like, we got the signature. Like, we got it wow, And I like cool. threw puzzle pieces everywhere, immediately started like screaming and jumping on the bed. It was like the best trip to D.C. ever. So, again, you just never know
1: when things are going to come around. Was there any question? Because summer is a tricky time. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of tourists, but a lot of people are away like. Like, New York replenishes itself. It's like a switcheroo. No one on the streets lives there, Mm. and everyone on the streets is a tourist. Mm. Or going to work, because they don't have the kind of lives where they're out of the city for the summer. Because it was a show that you were counting on young people to come to. Was there a moment where you were like, they're going to be in camp? (laughs) It's a great question. Was there any doubt about that? You know what? Summer felt right, honestly. And so
3: much of it is that we knew we had fans everywhere Mm -hmm. and that we thought that this audience would come in from you know all of these states and all of these countries where they had been listening to the album and Summer would be a great time for that. And all of that would make up for the fact that some people are out of town. And you know what I've found just from producing other things from 54 Below is like, no one is really gone from like June 1st to September 30th. If people want to see during the summer they will see it maybe they're gone for some of it but that doesn't sure. always completely impact so it felt like the perfect time
1: it's always the right season for theater <laughs> it's true don't you agree it's true and
3: there's also some other pros of like not competing with tony season mm-hmm. or you know all these other things we took into account and also it just felt like this was the moment like this was the be more chill momentum and we knew it had to happen now
2: so this puzzle-throwing moment is <laughs> spring of 2018?
3: Yeah, this was um, definitely spring. Yeah, and we knew we got the signature. Um, and we started putting all these pieces in place. And, you know, the New York Times, um, some of the New York Times writers have been so wonderful and on board with Joe for so many years, um, you know, seeing his concerts, checking out his musicals, kind of interested in his trajectory. And so we had this opportunity to have a Times exclusive about the show and announcing it. And we knew that the way that w- to get that was to keep everything totally... Totally under wraps. So there were many weeks after that of keeping things secret and you know as we've talked about Sam two player game was like a pawn in this game cuz mm-hmm. talk about
1: that <laughs> tell tell our listeners what
3: everything yeah. you just said means so before we knew that Be More Chill was definitely happening George and Joe and I started planning you know two player game which George is Salazar George Salazar's show of where he sings Joe Iconis' work and it's just the two of them on stage um, and you know it all feels wrapped together we had our first meeting about it at Ear Inn uh, around the corner from Jonathan Larson's apartment where he used to do interviews so if Ooh, my it tattoo
2: all... is tingling Ta-da. it's tingling Peter Lander tattoo mm-hmm.
3: um, it all kind of got wrapped together and um, we scheduled these shows for George to do it was a bunch of them in the spring and then slowly as the show started happening we found out Be More Chill was definitely going to Broadway and that all the, the Be More Chill fans the fact that their their response at two player game was insane because yeah. at this point they didn't know the show was happening they had spent all of this time falling in love with the album and this was like their chance to celebrate it and be there for it and see and George Michael, Michael in, in the bathroom. bathroom it's insane yeah, yeah. So I was there if was, I, I was that fan it was so crazy we yeah. had to like shut down the 54 Below like office lobby for the first time and had these like hours no. and hours hours of meet and greets and the fans were it was crazy and i remember the first two-player game i was just like lauren and i were in tears over being like these fans don't know yet like this is gonna be more chill is gonna come back like keeping it inside and not telling anyone was very hard but also very funny and exciting and amusing to all of us um and then we ended up announcing it the morning that there was a two-player game that night so it was like this perfect trajectory and of course george opens the show with broadway here i come so there was just like all these meanings to it um um, um,
2: I, I, I really want the world also to hear the story that Jen and George and Joe invite me into the <laughs> rehearsal room for two-player game and to get some content Yes Broadway. And why are yes you Broadway. there?
1: Who are you? For why Yes Broadway, you? just to yeah.
2: cover this thing. I'm a giant Be More Chill fan. Yes Broadway will talk about Be More Chill any chance it gets. So sure, let me get in there, get some footage. And they invite me to rehearsal. At the end, they're like, Well, we didn't know we were going to record the whole thing. And I was like, Well, I first of all I was lost on planet Mars in heaven watching <laughs> this experience. Because room... you're going
1: to shoot some be more, you're going to shoot two player game to put on your yes. Yeah. I just, just want people you know, to understand what you're talking about. Yep.
2: Just to yeah. like kind of some press for the show, Got to it. build up a little hype for the okay. show that really ended up not needing any hype at all. Uh, and I, I will never forget this moment for the rest of my life. That the rehearsal's over. We're packing up. And I barely know Jen and George Jen and Joe at this point. And I say something like, you know, I just think about all the time how Jennifer Ashley is going to be like the president of Broadway one day and have all this stuff. <laughs> These three people who I barely knew but were a little bit friendly with were so weird all of a sudden. <laughs> Like the air was sucked out of the room and I was like, oh my God, I think I just said something weird or offensive or I don't know what's happening, but they were all just like, ah, 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 ah. and I was like, ah. and it was this very awkward moment. So I pack up and, uh, you know, I'm on the train and it kind of hits me that like I was just in the room with you three because it sort of hit me because back then, Be More Show was such a part of my life just as a fan. I mean, it was part of my password. Mm-hmm. To like log into my email, <laughs> I think I did on the the train ride home, and I was like, I just logged in using a password from the show that the people who I was just in the room with, and you know, it was I think maybe two weeks later when the announcement came out, and I, I got a text from Jennifer Ashley Tepper in all caps. Do you know how hard it was to keep this <laughs> from you? And I was like, that's what was happening. You know
3: what? And it was, there were all these weeks where I had it in my head of like, oh my God, we're going to be able to like give this friend this opportunity or hire this friend or like I had it in my head to like have you be one of our co-producers at that point. Like I was like, I want to bring on like young co-producers and I want to like these members of the family who are like a music copyist and assistant director. Like we had all of these thoughts on like bringing people into the fold for this show that we kept in for a very long time. So yeah, we had a lot of interesting conversations. I remember sitting with Will Roland at Bear Burger when And we couldn't tell him. I couldn't tell him. And him being like, maybe after my Dear Evan Hansen run ends, I'm going to go with my girlfriend to Japan. And me being like, don't do that. Maybe something will happen during that time. (laughs) Maybe you'll
1: hear a song (laughs) where someone sings about it being from Japan. Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, God, don't go to Japan. Um,
3: There was a lot of, like you know, again being in a room with you for that two player game rehearsal and being like, Oh God, should we tell like and we were just so petrified of like losing that New York Times yeah. exclusive mm-hmm. and kept us all quiet. George and I would honestly text each other at four AM and be like, I'm dying. Like it was very funny.
1: This feels like based I mean, you have a lot of producing experience and and our listeners will we will make sure they understand so much of who you were before this moment, um, because it would take too long for you to <laughs> go through your entire producing dossier, as it were, and we'll, and we'll fill them in more about like what 54 Below is. And so there's just a deep understanding of, and what Bear Burger is like, we're really (laughs) going to do a deep dive. We'll have, we'll have a glossary of terms. Um, I feel like this seems like an unorthodox version of producing based Mm -hmm. on the producing template or Mm -hmm. an idiot's guide to producing. You have found a way to color outside the lines in every single way And everyone who knows me and listens to my other podcast and and is in the world of what I love knows that the thing that has always moved me deeply about Joe Iconis and family is the loyalty aspect of it. Mm -hmm. Like I just, in a world that often feels so broken to me, it's a touchstone. And I don't know Joe Iconis's work in the way that Sam probably does, and obviously in the way you do, I'm a, a new adapter of it. Um, but why it's been so moving to me is that every song I listen to, I also understand who he is in the world, and it makes it all the more meaningful. I mean, we've talked about it. I knew Jonathan Larson. I knew who he was as a person, not just the legacy mm-hmm. of his work, and they are the same. Yeah, They are one and the same, and that's why all this time later and coming to see your Jonathan Larson project... Uh, it was really those of us who knew him were undone by the love and testament to his greatness beyond rent. Um, and I feel like you are able to do that for Joe Iconis in his living life um, in a way that no one else could do it. Like for whatever Malcolm Gladwell reason of it all, like you and Joe had to meet And this family had to happen, and it had to be now. But everything you're describing is very made up by you and this team of special people. You just trust your instincts about this? What is it that gives you this confidence? Because Jerry's produced one Broadway show. You have produced none (laughs) until this one on your own. Yeah. Can you talk about
3: that? It's such a good question, and it's yeah. What's really, I think, the same way that a musical theater writer who changes the form and writes a landmark musical um, has to know the old stuff, the traditions, in order to break the rules. It seems very similar to that to me. You know, mm-hmm. as a historian, like I know the history of Broadway producing, and I know everything that's happening now, and I've worked for so many Broadway producers, and being able to know Joe's work and how producing works, and go, let's try this different thing because that's how the traditional thing works. That's been a huge key to all of this um, in marketing the show, in guiding the ship creatively, all of that. Um, I should also say one, the, one of the best parts of Be More Chillin' of 2018 has been for a decade it has felt like a lot of people, not everybody, but a lot of people have kind of um, sensed that this loyalty was a liability. And a lot of people have said to Joe um, and me and all of us like, oh, so you just work with your friends. Or there's this sense of that um, when really like it's this thing that goes beyond like, wanting to hire your friends it's not even that you know we'll work with someone once on a musical and go oh we love that person how do we build more things creatively with them and bring them into the fold like the family grows every year hence the size of the Christmas show cast grows every year um but it's this thing where you know I remember in 2009 being like talking to a producer and being like you should listen to Joe Iconis and then being like oh well he doesn't really work with any actors other than those people he works with and that's like a thing that has come full circle in a crazy way where now people are like oh no that's this is this guy who builds things with people and so the work is even better because it has the input and the understanding of all of these actors and musicians and creatives who have worked with him it's like a Steppenwolfian like thing in terms of building musical theater the fact that like I watch Will Roland give interviews now and he's like a Joe Iconis scholar and he's like when I sing this word in this song I think of these 10 other things that we've Mm -hmm. built through this aesthetic and it's like that with all of these performers in different ways and musicians like our musicians on Be More Chill feel part of the show in a way Mm -hmm. that I've never worked on a show where the musicians feel as part of it that's also because of this like family dynamic of like everyone is invited to participate creatively and to like build these things together so that's felt like something that we have prioritized at every turn and that is one of the reasons why Jerry was the right producer for this like from the first moment he was like there is a magic in this show that is there because of the family and people even if they don't know that's what they're responding to they are responding to it and now it's this thing that people in the outside world are like loving and are like oh yeah you've given opportunities to people you've trusted people you've had them build things um and it's something people love about what we do which it took a long time
2: i think that's because you can feel it you know, as a fan I can say that like you feel that when the show is being performed in front of you or even at a fifty four blow show, you can you can feel that. It translates into a tangible feeling that it's that will knowing that this word makes him think of this is not just going on in his head that's happening for the audience as well we may not be able to identify or know what's happening really but it adds that spark and that magic that that isn't there a lot of times for other shows and other performers or or other in other situations Um, and so i think that that's incredible that you you figured out a way to turn not only this liability into an asset but (laughs) to allow this asset to actually be a a main ingredient in the secret sauce.
3: Yeah, there's like a shorthand and there's like a love and there's like all these things. And I don't think we're the only people that have a tribe in this way. Like, I think that's one of the most magical things about musical theater is sometimes I'm thinking about other collaborations in the past that are just like ours. And there's other tribes right now of new musical theater writers and the families that they use. But we've, um, you know, been lucky enough in this moment to really harness our family in doing a Broadway show where, you know, it's like Danielle Gimbel is our music copyist and that's someone who's like formed in Joe's work since college and it's like Max Friedman's our assistant director he's assistant directed all of these Joe Iconis shows there's all these people at the table who have this shorthand and this knowledge and then when we bring new people in it's like a beautiful marriage of like someone you know I've talked to Britton so much about this about how he's felt Britain so well Britton Smith who plays Jake has so welcomed into the family and is like learning about all of this and that just is adding more to the special sauce and you know next year we'll be like it's a family concert and here's Britton like we just we add to the family um it's been like a crazy time to have that acknowledged by the industry finally after like 10 years. That's awesome. Well,
1: I was saying to Sam, it's really interesting to me coming up, you know, in musical theater pre-social media uh, it, it makes it, the entire interaction between fan and performer completely different. There is a new wave of people participating in social media beyond the performers, which is producers and everyone involved in the show having an Instagram story where you're invited into the world (laughs) or you're tweeting a lot uh, to fans um, about what is happening in your day, in your world for this show. Do you feel uh, beholden? How do I put this? You're very busy. (laughs) And the business of making a show is very time-consuming. You have, I think, you make it look effortless uh, in, in how you share the business with fans. How do you decide what to share, what not to share, what to tease? Is this all intuitive for you?
3: That's a great question. Um, you know, I came By the up, way, yeah. you
1: always say that's a great question. It is. That is the most <laughs> flat. I just want you to know for a host, you're the best guest in the world. Because so you do nice. a lot of these. So thank you for saying that. But it's
3: also like you both are truly such, like you are. You're part of this Be More Chill family in such a crazy way where it feels like. No one could do this but you guys. Oh, um I love you. You know, I came up in the age of social media in a way, like I went to NYU the summer that all like the first 12 schools were getting Facebook. Like, you know, I from a very early point was like part of that and enjoyed it. Like we all know the internet has its evils, but I love getting connect getting to connect with like a kid in Ohio who loves Joe Iconis and like t- posting a YouTube link and then they're like, Oh, a new Joe Iconis song. Like, I love that. And there's so many good things about social media. Um, and I just kind of enjoy it and keep that in mind, um, there's definitely moments where I'm like, oh, crap, should I have not have said the F word there? Or like maybe, you know, there's a certain level of like, OK, people are listening to me. I should be aware of that. But for the most part, like I'm just me and I love getting to connect with people in person who like we've connected on the Internet first. I love getting to be someone that fans and like especially for young fans and their parents can see like I do a job that's not performing and I'm so active in that. And I've had so many fans at The Signature especially come up to me and. And be like, oh my god! Like I didn't realize I could have a non-performance career and be in theater. And I love just getting to be someone who stands for that and gets to talk to them. Um, and also, it's like nerdy Broadway stuff. Getting to connect with people on the internet about like the theaters and weird moments in history. Like, there's so much good to it. I just try to like be myself and put that out there.
1: How do you let go of like until now, when it's been smaller, you ha- you and Joe have been able to control it. So how like I'm a control freak. And this is your baby. So obviously you are a producer on this. So you have the hat that's with the P on it. But so do other people. Mm-hmm. And it sounds to me, and when Sam was kind of updating me about, because he's a producer on it too, sort of what it looks like and what your weekly meetings are like mm-hmm. and, and the, the, the kind of day-to-day reality of what it is. How, how do you let go? Mm-hmm. Are you able to let go?
3: I love our team. And I have to say there's so many people that we've hired from Marathon for Digital to AKA to KSA for Press. Like, we have all these good people on our side as far as building the show's image and brand who I trust and who I love and who... I have conversations with constantly. Um, But that said, I've also, you know, I've been in the ad meetings and in the producer rooms for Godspell and for Title of Show and for The Parisian Woman last year. And I know how this works. And I know that it's not going to be like me able to control everything the way I would for a show Joe's doing at 54 below for 150 people. Um, And so a lot of it is like having a strong opinion, expressing that as much as you can in an open way, and then going, okay, someone else might have a different opinion and we might slide in a different direction. But I feel like I have made my point clearly and, you know, to enough people in the room who are going to understand what I'm saying. So yeah, it's a lot of, um, the knowledge that I bring to it is helpful, but I'm aware that that's not always going to be the only, um, opinion on the table.
1: (laughs) Who signs off on any final anything? Who are the people that have to be in agreement from casting? And then we'll get into the new graphic. Sure. How, like who has the final say on everything. You
3: know, Jerry has been so amazing in our collaboration about, there are certain parts of this process that I have never done before that I'm like, oh my God, this like legal document, page 72, please help me. And I need to explain it to this person. Especially
1: page 72. You know, 72 mm-hmm. is, is
3: crazy, <laughs> Jerry, please help yes. me. Um, or, you know, there's certain things so that we collaborate with general management on that I'm like, okay, well this part of the budget I've never worked with before and Jerry's been great. And then there's certain parts of, you know, I was in the room for casting our understudies and Jerry was at Sacred Heart. So I took more charge in that situation from a producer standpoint even though he was in the loop and watching the videos but I was there for that and he trusts me with things like social media that he hasn't been as familiar with so there's a certain level of collaboration of like you know I know more about this you know more about that Um, but there's to a degree it's like everyone is aware of all these decisions and a lot of things are signed off on by just him or by both of us or by me like it's, it's always a combination
1: Is there like a big Google Doc going back <laughs> and forth?
3: <laughs> more just like a million emails. One million emails mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I want to talk about the new graphic. Yeah. Because the original Be More Chill art was really, became Joe Iconic very quickly, right? And so you're moving to Broadway and you want to preserve everything that has worked so far so magnificently. It must be scary to change anything (laughs) because like what a perfect recipe. Having seen it, I mean, Sam and I have talked ad nauseum about like the signature theater production We'll just go down in history as one of the most memorable, beautiful theatrical experiences (laughs) those of us lucky to be in New York were able to see, and those of us with YouTube were able to see. Yeah. So how did you decide on changing the poster art? Well, so first I should say the original poster art for
3: Two River we loved, but then when we were going off Broadway, we knew we wanted to change it and make it more this and more that and adjust it. And it got to the point where the weekend before we were gonna announce that next week, we did not have a version of the art that anyone liked. And so we had to actually completely revamp. And what's crazy is it was a Friday, we were in the studio recording two player game, the album, and Joe and I were like, We have to like, you know, make a huge U turn on this. Like we have to tell Jerry we have to go with a different Art designer. Um, we're starting again. Starting again, yeah. even though it's like the Friday afternoon. Yeah. Um. And it's so- going to be Shabbos soon. <laughs> <laughs>
1: what are you going to do?
3: Real- we were really <laughs> concerned about Shabbos at that <laughs> no. point. Of um, Philip Romano, who I work with at Fifty Four Below, um, is a brilliant graphic designer, and we said we're going to call Philip. So we um finished with the artwork designer we were working with. We called Philip. Joe and I basically spent the weekend in the office at Fifty Four Below with Philip Romano, who you know freelance designed the artwork for Off Broadway and did a tremendous job and. Um, you know, it's Philip in the red shirt. Like, that's him. Um, you know, and oh, Joe wow. Iconis is actually like a brilliant graphic designer. He's so good at it. So he has that eye. And we were able to, the three of us, kind of make that happen over the weekend before the New York Times is going to announce the show the next week. Um, so we had this wonderful new artwork we loved for Off-Broadway.
1: When you say Joe Iconis, do you mean literally like he knows how to work the he does. program? Mm-hmm. Like, aside from making... <laughs> the shows that he makes, yeah. he can also make the poster. I, I
2: knew this, and I thought until this moment she confirmed the opposite of the show, I thought he was the secret designer of oh, the no. Broadway logo. Oh, no. We'll give Philip Romano mm. full credit. Um, <laughs>
3: it, it was a lot of Joy Icona's input. Uh-huh. Um, and a lot of me being like, here, eat, this, eat these chips and cookies. Um, also important. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, providing a little bit of insight here and there. But, um, yeah, no, Joe is brilliant at it. Like, he could design a Broadway logo. He can't really order a pizza, but he can, you know, I have always seen school theater writers can like write a masterpiece, but not order their own pizza. So, um, yeah, we spent the weekend in the office, but it's still, it was like this is the perfect artwork for off Broadway it is not like the number one ideal version of what we would necessarily want on a Broadway marquee. And I think you can always improve. Like, I don't think musicals are ever done. Sure. Logos are done at some point, but it's like, you can always improve on it. And the things that we learned about be more chill and our branding and our marketing in the off Broadway run led us to build a new Broadway, which was what
1: What were the, like when you say we learned ABCD, tell me in your head what you were seeing at that moment. Yeah.
3: You know, we wanted to show people that were becoming familiar with our musical through the artwork that the show is fun that, you know, it is about these things. It is about loneliness and it is about depression and connecting with people in this way, but it is fun and up-tempo and it's sci-fi and it's like a blast. And so showing that through having the artwork feature movement, like the guy, you can tell he's like moving. Um, There's a certain level of like fun that I think you get from it. Um, We wanted to have like unique colors. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, we looked at every logo for every show playing on Broadway this season and like so many of them are blue and that's great, but we were like, how do we stand out in the atmosphere of, of this season, um, there were a lot of considerations like that. And there was a lot of, like, what do we love about the old logo? How do we make that more? The pill over the eye was always there. Nobody noticed it until this version for some reason because we made it pop more. you know. And Joe of Joe Trace, and I went to see a show called Pamela's First Musical at Two River. We spent the entire train ride back for, like, two hours going over um, different logos and discussing. So it was like a, a process of fine-tuning every aspect of the logo.
1: And was there also a real concerted effort, you know, when you said blue? like I think of the Dear Evan Hansen. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of blue. You'd go backstage, it was a blue room. I mean, there was a (laughs) lot of blue. I like blue. Um, But that became very much a color that was connected to that show. And I know from the beginning when I would talk to Joe and you, and we're almost coming up on our year anniversary of the first time Mm -hmm. we met as Con approaches. It's crazy, it's only been a year. It's it's so crazy. Um, Is that uh, even though when you see both shows, they could not be more different. There are certain iconic images from both of those shows, from a bedroom that opens up each show um, to the age that the people in the show are. Mm-hmm. And then there's a great departure in terms of <laughs> comedy and style and, and just the, the style of the show. How much did you take into consideration, this is what's out there right now in in this genre and in this demographic. Totally. Um,
3: you know, what's interesting is, like, I feel like I've been on, in a totally different way, the Dear Evan Hansen journey from the beginning as because a spectator. Of a little bit. But, you know, like, I have known Benjamin Justin since they started out. I remember when Will was rehearsing Untitled Pasik Paul Levinson Project yeah. back when I worked for Ken Davenport at his rehearsal studios years ago. And um, I actually went to opening night of Dear Evan Hansen in D.C. for Will. So um, I, and that was the same summer Be More Chill was at Two River. Like, Dear Evan Hansen and Be More Chill were out of town at the same time time. And it actually didn't seem like, oh, these are two shows about the same thing ever. They seemed like very different shows. But I understand why the narrative has now become, oh, it's interesting. This show does have elements that are, you know, anxiety and these things that Dear Evan Hansen features. um And, you know, again, like I love the show. I think that there's a lot of people that love Dear Evan Hansen who would love Be More Chill and vice versa. But it is important to just tell people they're not the same show the same way that, you know, we also compare Be More Chill in a lovely way to Little Shop. It's not Little Shop either. Um, we are own show so just making sure people have that distinct vision um, of Be More Chill and it's also you know not only Will but like Ben Platt was in the black suits Taylor Trench was Jeremy and all these readings of Be More Chill there's all these connections we were always very aware of each other but there is this sense that like I don't know. If it wasn't specifically that in getting away from the blue. Um, honestly, when we looked at the all the blue logos, we were like, "Oh my god!" But um, but I do think, like in certain ways, where we can say to our audience, like our show is different in this way. It's not better or worse. It's just different. That's helpful in you know telling people what our
2: show is. And I love Joe being at the table. That's just such a, a wild, awesome thing to me. That like you know you, you think about any other. Composer who has their first Broadway show, they're not at the ad meeting helping <laughs> decide what the the logo is going to look like. And I think that that's just such a testament to the show itself and its fandom that like and, and the family aspect of Joe Iconis and and that he's there and he knows how we all know and he knows how. Important the logo is. It's not just, you know, a marketing meeting about this is what the logo is going to be. It's the thing is going to represent the show for a century. Totally. Um, and so much
3: of the synergy in the family is that, like, I have had conversations with Joe for a decade about his opinion on Broadway logos. Like, right. and, you know, when such and such is said in a press meeting, I know how our stage manager feels about it because I have been part of this family with her. Like, there's all these moments where someone on the team knows what someone else feels or thinks and whether they should should be brought into the room in a way that they aren't usually because they have insight. Um, you know, one of the, th- like, you know, Sam, like you are doing all this work as like influencer marketing, which we would have never known if we hadn't gotten to know each other better. So it's like all of these th- th- ways that like it- when you really get to build relationships with people, the show is better or the show does better. It's like, it's so valuable. And I feel like I've seen that for a decade of like, you know, the way that Lynn functions too. Mm-hmm. And he's in the room. Like it's-, it's only a plus to have the artists more involved. of course in appropriate ways
2: Right.
1: well that's what I love that you still have this energy, enthusiasm and idealism of the like I've got a barn, let's put on a show (laughs) mentality which is everyone's going to pitch in and we're going to use everyone untraditionally because they're good at it and no one has (laughs) to stay in their lane and I think by you allowing everyone to just shine in all the ways that they can the reason I think you are a brilliant producer is not only because I think you have the most impeccable taste and not only have I seen you wear so many different hats and so many, you know, from history to author to producer to performer, right? Like you have so many unbelievable gifts. A true producer looks at a situation or a gifted producer and says, how can I help you shine? Mm -hmm. How can I help you be even more amazing in the areas that you are naturally gifted in. And I feel like you are so, in watching you, egoless. It's an incredible (laughs) thing because producer over the years has come to actually mean ego. And someone at the center of it saying, this is my vision. And I'm going to take all these pieces and it's going to end up as my vision. And it can become quite exclusive. And just watching how you work, and this is beyond Joe Iconis, this is you do other things too, although today we're just (laughs) really focusing on how to be more chill. Um, To have you at the center of something, I cannot tell you how breathtaking it is to bear witness to who you are, and I am constantly, you know, as sort of um, a senior in this very loving group of people, someone who's been here doing it while you guys were still in elementary school, um, I'm just so proud <laughs> to see this next generation of theater makers and theater influencers who are so, millennials get a bad rap, yeah. um, and often when millennials are discussed, there's like no heart in it. It's like they are these bodies without hearts, all ego and no heart, and to see this fusion of heart and confidence, which is very different than ego I am absolutely astonished, and it's why Sam and I are doing this, because as much as I want to shine a light with Sam on what makes Be More Chill, one of the most uniquely beautiful events in musical theater history, I want us to shine a light on the people who are making it so, because that is as much a part of the story. None of these things can live in a vacuum, and um, whatever happens... Joe Iconis has said, whether Be More Chill is on Broadway for one night, and I believe Be More Chill will be on Broadway (laughs) for way longer than one night and end up having a life all over the world, Um, it will be because of loyalty, integrity. And talent,
3: yeah, it's, it's an
1: extraordinary thing.
3: Part of all of that is, you know, Joe and I share this thing of like, one of my investors asked me, kind of in a sad way, "Oh, does all of this success for Joe and for the family mean that you're not going to do these like family concerts and you're not going to come to Barrington and like put on this scrappy show?" And I was like, "No, the put in putting on a show in a barn with your friends mentality will always be part of this, or this is over." Like, and Joe would much rather do a show in a basement than like in a fancy venue a lot of the time. Um, it's just like how we live. And like right now we're rehearsing this Christmas show, which again has 80 people and all the people in it are like cast members from love and hate nation from Broadway bounty hunter from be more chill. Um, When we told the Be More Chill cast that we were going to Broadway, we were standing on stage and everyone was crying. And like this, someone like the second thing that was said was like, oh, my God, we're all still going to be able to do the Christmas show um, because of the timing. (laughs) Because for 11 years, we've all been coming together and playing these like weird Christmas characters and singing mostly Christmas songs and some of Joe's stuff as this show in a barn. And I think that all of our family shows are that. And there will always be that. And even if, you know, the dream comes true and Be More Chill runs forever and there's the movie and there's all these other Joy Connors musicals happening, like... There is the movie, by (laughs) the way. There is the movie. Not even in your dream. Yeah, Yeah. the dream is real. There will always be the scrappy sense of what we're doing, too. We
1: cannot let you go without you telling us did you film the moment that they told the cast that it was going to Broadway? No, that Oh, was, our social
2: team yeah. did. Okay. I, I love was. watching that video. Well, okay. so,
3: Michaela Brewster from our marathon team, who's love wonderful, yeah. she filmed it, but we only released, like, a fraction of what she filmed, and I love that we have that in the can. I think we're gonna be able to release more of it later because everyone was, like, sobbing, screaming, shocked. Like, no one was more shocked than Lauren Marcus, which was crazy because, like, Wait. Joe had kept it from her. Wait. Yeah, really? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll slow down. Wow.
1: So, yeah. Yeah. How know. did you find out that this sh- the little show that could obviously sold out in 2 seconds, Yeah, right? you Literally know, how long did it take to sell out once you were at the we signature? We sold
3: out before opening night. So, Be More Chill was sold out before opening night. We knew at some point that we had this extra extension that we could add in, and Jerry and I both were like, let's announce it right after opening, and it became very clear that like if we didn't get through re- And you know, we got a lot of good reviews. We just did not get the Great Times review review that we wanted. It became very clear that part of the strategy would be to announce The extension and say, Hey, we're we're going anyway. And when the extension sold out within hours, that was like a wonderful tool for us to be able to bring back to the table for our advertising team, our co-producers, and say, Hey, look at the legs this has. We're going to Broadway. And on opening night, when everyone was upset about the Times review, I just kept screaming, like, We're still going to Broadway, we're still going to Broadway. Like, be more chill. You can't stop it. Like, we, Mm -hmm. Jerry and I were on the same page. Like, there were people on the team who were like, okay, we didn't get the best review. Maybe we'll go to off Broadway. Maybe it's not. That and we were like, no, like this show is going to Broadway, and we knew at that point that we had this fandom behind us, and you know, it was just that. So, um, the moment we got to tell the cast we were going to Broadway, um, actually, I'm making this, I swear it's all been so much like Smash, I I couldn't make some of this up. (laughs) I actually had this like really horrible day, and I had arrived at the signature, and Gerard and Joe and like uh, George were out front and I just like started crying and I was like oh my god I had this terrible day got into this fight with this producer on the phone like just sobbing the guy at the liquor store next to the signature came out and handed me tissues which every day since then we would like wave at each other like it was just one of those (laughs) New York moments it wasn't that big of a deal but I was in a terrible mood they all were wonderful made me feel better I went into the theater I was like calming down I was sitting there watching some rehearsal and Jerry came in and was like Jen I need to talk to you immediately and I was like oh great what else is gonna happen today so Jerry and I went into the vestibule, where you like walk into the signature into the theater proper, and he said the Schuberts are giving us the Lyceum, and I was like, oh my god! Every time I have a terrible day, we get a theater. Like, let's keep having terrible wow, days. Wow. So at that point, we were like, okay, we we can't tell anybody yet. um And at the end, I think that was a Friday. Maybe I should get this right, but I'll look it up. But um we couldn't tell anyone. It was like a huge secret. And Why? then we wanted to, you know, first of all, we definitely knew we wanted to capture the moment where we okay. told the company. And also we wanted everyone to be able to have that moment together. But we also were going to tell a couple of key members, of the creative team, um, sooner than we told the full company. But even that had to wait a couple of days. We had to like put some things in place. We had to, um, you know, cross some T's Even and Joe I's. Iconis did not know. It. You <laughs> kept did not it from know him. yet. For how long did you I keep this from Joe? wanted to die. I like, understand. I, it was so hard, and sometimes when people are like, "Can you keep a secret?" I'm like, "You have no idea." Yeah. Like, I oh kept my it from God. Joe Iconis, <laughs> he was going and, and, to Joe, Broadway. and Joe kept it from Lauren also. Once he knew, so Jerry and I were able to tell the Joes and Stephen and Chase um, a couple like t- you know within 36 hours. Thank God. And then I remember that night after Be More Chill, we all went to the West Bank where we love hanging out, um, and we were all there. And Joe and I both knew, and no one else there knew. And like I was, we were sitting with Marcus, our drummer, and with Katie Carlson, and they were like, "What's going to happen?" Like, "Oh God." like is this going to be the end of you? More chill and again we were like we just couldn't tell anyone and it was raining and joe and i were like we gotta go and we walked to the lyceum just the two of us in the rain and we just kind of stared at it and we knew we were wow. going to tell everyone two days later but we it was actually and joe has said this as well like it was so wonderful actually having that moment to digest it when it it was like the canter and song it was a quiet thing like it was Our moment before everyone knew because we knew to a degree that when we told our wonderful company, people's agents were going to know people's moms were going to know. And that's great. But we were able to have that little moment with all of us first.
2: I think Jen's social media post about that moment like once the news did come out and she was able to tell kind of that story in a social media caption is probably one of the top five best social media posts I've ever seen from anyone about anything why what did it say it made me weep (laughs) you know it's the rain and you're standing outside the lyceum you mean literally
1: that photograph yeah Yeah,
2: it's a photograph and a caption of Jen explaining that moment of of like it's raining and also like the
3: lyceum is where we did title of show it was the theater that I spent the most time in when I was coming up and it is the reason my books exist was like those you know that time at the lyceum and the reason i met joe was because of a producer named sarah katz who was our producer in title of show who introduced me to joe so actually the second picture i have with joe is with joe and our director john simpkins who we work with all the time and jason williams on closing night of title of show like right there with the lyceum like there's all these full circle things like I, and we also we did not think we were getting the lyceum like we thought that these other couple of theaters were in play like it just was a surprise in every way And being able to look at the faces of people who have been on this Be More Chill journey and the faces of your best friends and just see everyone like crumple into a ball and like sob on the floor because this thing that we believe in so much is happening and we're all doing it together. Like that moment was crazy. Like I can't wait to see the rest of
2: the video. I can't believe Lauren didn't know. That's amazing. Lauren truly didn't
3: know. And I've talked to like all of them about this since being like, did you know? Like, cause okay, I didn't tell anybody, but right before we were gathering in this circle to tell everyone, one. Jason Tam was like Jen Taffer like what's going on and I just like went Ugh. and so like I think there was a couple minutes where he probably knew but Lauren literally was like is there food like Lauren had no <laughs> Lauren thought it was a wow. party she does she does she has tunnel vision sometimes for things and she just had no idea and also I think a couple people thought it might happen but every time Jerry and I gathered the group for any kind of like we're extending for a week sure. or let's talk about like how to manage the stage door we would have these meetings and everyone would would be like, oh, we're going to Broadway, right. and so like, were not... and it wasn't, yeah. <laughs> so, wow. so it was. It felt like there was a certain sense that people thought it might happen. Some people had no idea, but nobody knew for sure.
2: I have an awesome way to close this out, which <laughs> is Alana assumed earlier that I do know a lot of other Joe Iconis music and, and songs, <laughs> and I actually don't. And I asked him a few months ago, like, give me the list of songs that I should pull up to to get more into Joe Iconis, and I haven't done that yet. So, what I would like to do is ask you what they are, also. And so then I can add that to the list. And then I'm, I'm just going to close the door one day and do a Joe Iconis deep dive.
1: Well, so if we don't hear from you for a while, it's that. <laughs> that's what happens. So I
2: know be more chill. Yeah. What else should I listen to What's if I want to get into Joe Iconis?
3: So funny is that like, I've always, again, for a decade, been like, Joe, I just want, I love musical theater so much. And Joe is the best of what I think musical theater can be. And I just am so passionate about other people hearing that. And so a, a, a little more than a year ago, I did this like 30 days of Joe Iconis on social media deep dive where I picked 30 songs which like you know it's not the best 30 I just picked 30 really great ones and I like told the story of how each of the song came to be and like featured and they're all YouTube links so if you feel like it you can like go look at those Um, but you know what's great is Joe has never untagged or taken a video down from YouTube so 10 years of concerts and shows are up there and there's these other musicals you know there's like amazing other musicals that hopefully New York will see in the next couple years there's Broadway Bounty Hunter which played Barrington and stars Annie Golden is this awesome kick-ass show that Joe wrote with Jason Williams and Lance Rubin. There's Love and Hate Nation, which is about this juvie hall for girls in the 60s and these two girls that fall in love there. Um, There's all these different shows. There's the Hunter S. Thompson musical, which has been in development. Some people know Kaboom and um, Brown Buffalo from George's album. Like there's all these shows that are just percolating that there's little pieces of out there. Of course, there's shows like Blood Song and the Black Suits that have happened, but will hopefully come back in a bigger way. And then there's all these standalone songs that we do in concerts among these musicals. So there's true, I mean, there's probably at some point wikipedia let me edit joe's page to include every song he had ever written and then like after a couple months they were like no this isn't the correct this isn't how wikipedia works um i hope i saved it somewhere but there are really tons of songs like there are so many
1: all right i want you to finish this sentence for me okay (laughs) be more chill is a dream come true
2: Wow, that was so (laughs) quick and awesome. The best. It's just instincts.
1: Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you. Thank you both. This is going to be a great ride, and thank you for letting us come along with you. Thank you for being on it. So because More Chill is such a fan-driven show, Sam and I really wanted to include fans on the podcast, and... There is one particular fan who loves Jennifer Ashley Tepper so much that we thought we will include his testimonial on this episode, and it just happens to be a certain Mr. Joe Iconis sharing his thoughts. Listen up.
4: So I've known uh, Jen Tepper for over 10 years, and she has been uh, the most uh, supportive, enthusiastic, um intelligent, crafty, passionate, uh, vicious, insane friend and collaborator and boss uh, I've ever had. Uh, it's, uh, she's so skilled and she's so, uh, she's just so, she's so smart and so aware of the history of um, you know, theater and, uh, and not just like the, like, you know, like, oh, you can Google this, uh, style h- history. It's like the, she's like truly, truly aware of, um, of the, the, uh, you know, the, 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 the breadth and the, the legacy, um, that has come before in the world of musical theater. And so, you know the fact that she holds me in such high uh, esteem, um, knowing what she knows, is really uh, is is really incredible, and it's something that uh, has never been lost on me. It's always been an honor that she's liked my stuff, um, and it continues to be an honor that she likes my stuff. And I just trust her more than uh, anyone. Pretty much every great thing that has happened to me has been um, related to Tepper in some way and i uh, want nothing more than to have her you know by my side or in charge of me for the rest of my life um as long as she'll have me i want to be there and she just the faith that she has in me and the uh, mountains that she'll move uh in service of me or because of me um is just uh it's just it's the most amazing thing i don't know how uh i got so lucky to be able to be associated with her um and now I have to go because I'm in Pearl Studios and I'm standing in front of the, the snack machine and the bathroom and, um, and I'm in people's way. Uh, but yeah, John Tepper forever.
1: Thank you for listening. Hey, you can find us on Instagram at How to Be More Chill. And one quick thing before we go could you go to Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast platform you listen on and just take a moment to rate and review us? We would really appreciate it. And do not forget. This is Alana.
2: This is Sam.
1: Tell us how to be more chill.
0: Never hung with a girl like you before. I don't know if you know it, but I am sure that for me you are an upgrade. Upgrade each other's upgrade.
3: Hey there, I'm Kimberly Schmidt.
1: Are you in love with the podcast you're listening to?
0: Kevin Jager here. Did you know it's part of the Practically Perfect Broadway Podcast Network? And I'm Brian Plofsky. The Broadway Podcast Network features over 30 podcasts to feed the theater passion in all of us. Feed Missy Seymour. Wait,
3: over 30? I feel like I'm running out of time. It doesn't have
0: to be agony because we have a very good place to start. Try out the Broad Wasted Podcast with the three of us.
3: And yes, it is what it sounds like.
0: Join us every Tuesday for a hilarious happy hour with the best and brightest on Broadway. We drink, play games, share laughs, and did I mention drink with your favorite Broadway stars? From Jeremy Jordan, Patty Murin, Jessica Vosk, and Caroline Carmelo. To James Monroe Eigelhart, Sierra Bogus, George Salazar, and Alice Ripley. We have too much fun with too many friends of the show to mention. And on VPN, there's a whole new world of theater podcasting at your fingertips. Alongside the Broadwaisted podcast, you can discuss other great established shows and exclusive podcasts that were made just for the BPN Network. So defy gravity and fly on over to broadwaypodcastnetwork.com or go direct to our page at bpn.fm backslash broadwaysted. And follow, follow, follow us on Instagram and Twitter. You can find us at broadwaysted and the network is Broadway Podcast Network. <laughs> we just can't wait to be a part of your weekly theater podcast lineup. Thank you and cheers! Zoot-doo-wop-bum! Thank you for listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Make sure to visit us online at BroadwayPodcastNetwork.com, on Instagram at Broadway Podcast Network, or on Twitter at BUA Network.